Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. You know, after the Dobbs decision uh, came down, it was announced uh, by several large corporations that they would help financially assist any employee seeking an abortion. Companies like MasterCard, Kroger's, New York Times, Amazon, Goldman Sachs, uh, Hewlett-Packard, Ikea, J.P. Morgan, Microsoft, are all offering travel expenses for women who want to seek abortion in abortion-permissive states. Joining me right now is a man who thinks differently about the relationship between uh, business and life. His name's Peter Rex. He's founder and CEO of Rex, which is building technology to serve real estate owners and operators. Rex currently has 10 companies uh, solving the largest, most lucrative problems in the real estate industry, ranging from insuring and paying workers to investing in and managing assets. Pete is on the board of the Catholic University of America's Bush School of Business and is an advisor to uh, ADF's Viewpoint Diversity Score and an advisor to the Texas Blockchain Council's Real Estate and Tokenization Group. He lives in Austin with his wife and four children. And it's good to meet you. Al, great to be here. Peter, when you went into business and wanted to succeed in business, what was driving you? So, Al, my story is a deep, deeply Catholic, I'd say, uh, entrepreneurial story because I'm I come from really raised by mother church in many ways you know yeah. so I come I've been catholic my whole life so I'm Irish catholic background uh, raised in upstate New York my parents were teachers okay. so I was going to say if you were in Austin I'd be interested to hear more about that but yeah yeah you're in upstate New York okay yeah so Coming from that background, I, you know, I had this idealism I wanted to, you know, the way I found my way into entrepreneurship was where really as sort of a last stop. It was something I never considered. So I first went into the seminary when I was 17 or 18 for a little bit. That didn't work out. I didn't quite fit in with the whole obedience thing too well. You know, within a few months, they said, hey, are you just trying not to follow rules? And I said, are you kidding me? I've never tried to follow rules so hard in my life. So that didn't work out. And then I found my way doing construction, going to community college. And I transferred to Ave Maria College. Yeah, sure. Spent two years there in Ypsilanti. Yeah. And then I transferred to Georgetown University and finished uh, at Georgetown University. Okay. And that's kind of a funny uh, – I Father Groeschel, who used to give me some advice here and there when yeah. I was younger, he told me, uh, well, you've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, but And then I, I, I then did a JD at Harvard Law School. Okay. And I, and I got a CPA. So that's my background. Yeah. Okay. So getting into how I decided to go into business or entrepreneurship was – Really not something I had in my heart or was thinking about at all, actually. I just wanted to go all in and go crazy and build for, for God, right? Sure. So, but what I found was I, I found myself in a monastery, in a Maronite monastery in Petersham, Massachusetts. It's okay. a perpetual adoration Maronite monastery. And I spent two weeks there mm-hmm. and in silence trying to discern after college, what am I going to do? You know, I had gone to Georgetown thinking maybe I'd go into public policy or politics. But sure. I found it very quickly thereafter. That's not for me. I just wasn't – I'm not into, you know, politicking. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I'm in this monastery and I'm discerning and I felt this call to go into business. And I thought, okay, that's probably not from God. Money is – you know, maybe that's bad. But what I discerned <laughs> was, no, that is from God. And money is good. It's the love of money, the love of mammon that's bad, right? So right. that's how I got my right. way into entrepreneurship. I self-studied using interlibrary loan books. From New York, basically, that's how I figured out business was reading yeah. a lot of books on my own. So that's how I got into the business side. And fast forwarding is I bought a couple billion dollars of real estate in the downturn, uh, grabbing assets in Texas and Florida okay. during the great financial crisis in 2009 through you know, 2015 yeah. or so. Okay. Um, sold about a billion or so of those assets. Still have a few hundred million of the assets and did, did great by the investors um, that, that came in with us. Uh, they, did, they did wonderfully well. 
But along the way, I, I realized the bigger problem in the technology space. That's why I now run a technology company that is okay. attacking the real estate space. I still have the other couple companies from before, but yeah. I've been focused on building these technology companies. And that's what brought me into running a tech company. And yeah. that was about five years ago. So that's how I got to where I am right now. Wow. Did you find it difficult moving over into technology yourself? Or were you well, already well educated in the, in the field of technology? Well, the one thing I was educated well in was how to educate myself. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. was I how to that. read. I, I'm, here, I'm here with Al. And uh, for the listeners, is he's got books everywhere. <laughs> and I thought, man, you know, I honestly couldn't even work out of this office because I would be tempted to start reading all start, of them. And, and, yeah, that's, I, a, that's I, a constant I, temptation. Gotta, yeah, Got to keep moving. I literally have to box up books and put them far away. My my assistants help me with that (laughs) because I'll order so many books. I'll box them up because I'm like, you know what? I want to read this. But reality is I got to focus on these other books right now. So, But anyway, so so learning how to think, learning how to read and self-study is the key to learning anything, right? I did that. And I also used a lot of consulting because at this point I'd already made a good amount of money from my my business success. And I used that to get consulting to learn every aspect of technology. So that's how I self-taught myself. In 2016, I moved to San Francisco at the time. That brought me to the West Coast. So I operated offices in San Francisco and Seattle. So that's how I ended up over there with the tech company. Uh And how did you end up in Austin? So we moved from the West Coast and shut down our San Francisco and Seattle offices right around when COVID hit. Okay. In fact, we were the first technology company that I'm aware of that did so. And I published a Wall Street Journal op-ed at the time that went viral pretty much. And uh, that was the first tech company to move over. And we had already actually bought our houses over there in Austin and set up shop. And then I put the article out to put the, the word out there about why we did so. Sure. And, and the reasons why we moved from the West Coast is that the politics and more importantly, the underlying culture, which is harder to change, had become somewhat toxic and rotten. Yeah, no, I, I, that's right. Culture is uh, uh, politics is downstream from culture is what a lot of us say. Uh, so it's it's it, politics. You can change it, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're changing the culture which precedes it. Yeah, now yeah. no, that's uh, very very true. The Dobbs decision, which in which uh, U.S. Supreme Court struck down uh, the central holding in Roe v. Wade that there was a right to abortion, a constitutional right to an abortion, has really changed the political landscape in America. There's going to be a lot of work. All states are now going to have to uh, reconsider uh, the question of abortion. And uh, since Dobbs came down, there's been a tremendous push on the part of the mainstream press and a lot of mainstream businesses to applaud and cheer abortion rights, even to the point of, I mentioned a bunch of companies earlier who are making money available for women to travel to abortion permissive states where they can get an abortion more easily. You're pushing back against that. Tell me how. Yeah, so what, what happened there, Al, was, you know, if, if you rewind back, there was a thing called the Texas Heartbeat Bill that, yeah, was, sure. that was put out. That is right. Yeah, that was about a year or so ago, and, or maybe even longer than that. But when that came out, I actually came out publicly and stood up for that as well. Mm-hmm. And I did that because at the time, what triggered me to do that was all of the tech CEOs, I'd say, anyone who stood up, stood up for one side only, and that yeah. was against the Texas Heartbeat Bill. Yeah. So when I saw that, I said, you know what, I've got to say something, because... As an entrepreneur, you have a huge bully pulpit nowadays because yeah. a lot of the youth listen to you. Yeah, that's right. And when they don't see any voice that is out there that's intelligent, that's well-reasoned, speaking yeah. out for the truth, they start to get confused, they right? Do. Absolutely. So I thought, and even when I was a kid, I remember looking, trying to find out who would I look to, who, who do I learn from, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I came out and I said, you know what, I'm going to say something. It's Texas Heartbeat Bill. So I did. Now, we had a little fallout in our company. With that. Now, I run the company. I run the board. I, I control everything. So mm-hmm. it's not an issue. But we had a couple of folks that decided to leave the company. They just couldn't deal with that. Sure. And I, you know, I met with them, uh, um, the ones that wanted to meet. And I said, you know, I respect your position. Um, you evidently don't respect 
mine. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, you've got a larger problem on your hands than the fact that you support killing babies in the womb. Now, that is a problem into itself, but I can still work with you if you, and I like to call it killing babies in the womb, Mm -hmm. rather than call it abortion, because I feel like that that kind of is an abstraction of Mm -hmm. a layer up, Mm -hmm. calling it rather just call it what it is. So slavery is slavery, right? It's killing babies in the womb. And so, and that helps to set the table of what we're actually talking about. So I I actually said these exact words to one of our employees. and, And you know what she she came back and she said, and she respected my position on it, and but she had voiced some of her own concerns. But we had a couple of people leave for that, and I thought, you know, better off because these folks are intolerant. Yeah. And intolerance is what I noticed in the West Coast, and that's what I—that's the only thing I don't allow in our company, is because if you have intolerance, that's equivalent to cancer in the body. Yep. When you have certain things that want to kill the other parts, you yep. can't allow that to coexist. Right. So anything that's tolerant. No problem. You could think that there's aliens, yeah. and there's a lot of people. That, some people that do, evidently. But uh, you know, or there's the barefoot. Is you know, big. What do you call it? You know, the big gorilla <laughs> this, or whatever. Yeah, big barefoot coming around. Yeah, so bigfoot, yeah. bigfoot, bigfoot, barefoot. Yeah, the but, uh, snowman. <laughs> yeah, you can believe whatever you want. You know, as long as you respect me and I respect you, we can work side by side in business and right. get stuff done, build things, right? Sure. Because we're a technology company. We build products for people, right, to serve folks. This is a wonderful thing about business. It's similar to sports. Is you can go side by side with these folks who would never go to the pole. They would never go to the church ever. A lot right. of these guys, right? But you will meet them side by side in business, and you can have an impact on them there. So yeah. I love that about business, right? Yeah. Now, but if you have an intolerant person in your company, then that is actually very bad for the company. So when I came out on the Texas Heartbeat Bill, the positive thing I saw was actually a positive and a negative. These folks leaving was actually a positive because I rooted out, I effectively rooted out folks who were intolerant. Yeah. So. Now, we fast forward to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And what happened there is I was overjoyed when I saw this. And I've been, I actually, I started Amer- uh, Abby Maria Students for Life when I was there. Oh, so, heads. yeah. yeah and, and, uh, and actually, Tom Monahan wrote me a personal check thanking me. For, so we got into litigation with, nice. with uh, Planned Parenthood there, yeah. which we ended up. Well, by the way, what years were you there? Do you remember? 2001 and 2002. Okay, I'm trying to remember because my daughter was there around that time, a little earlier. It might have been 2000. You weren't in the first year, were you? Well, I hope I didn't date her or anything. Otherwise, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, one of the first years that the school was open. Yeah, I think she was right around there. It was still called, in- it was still the Abbey Marie Institute. So it was before it became formally a college. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So she may, you may have run into each other. She, uh, ended, up, she ended up at Steubenville. Uh, okay. That's but, where yeah. all my siblings went to Steubenville. Yeah. So, yeah. But, so, um, so, so that, so that's a heartbeat bill. That's what happened there, Alice. So I came out with that. Now, when Roe, when this, you know, overturning of Roe came out, I just thought, man, this is wonderful. You know, so yeah. I'm, but you know what? I'm not going to gloat. Right. Let's just, right. let's just celebrate quietly. And I, you know, some guys in our company have come out and told me they're pro-life. So I went on high five in them and we had a little, <laughs> a little celebration. So I, but I thought, you know what? Let's not gloat. Let's be gentlemen about this. We've won. There's no point in gloating. And so I, I held off a little bit. I held off completely. I even told our media folks, I said, listen, I'm not going to say anything on the communication side about this. I'm just going to stay quiet. It's a total victory. So, and then what happened was 250 CEOs came out in support of paying people to go get an abortion. 250 was the number one of the guys in our company showed me. They came out saying they're going to pay for someone to have an abortion. Not one CEO that I was aware of came out saying that they support the pro-life cause. So I thought this is a huge problem of a witness. We don't even have one witness and one person can make a difference. So, this got in my head, yeah. you know, it started working in my head. And literally it was around 4.35 a.m. when I made this decision. I was up in the morning thinking about stuff working and I just made this decision. I'm going to I'm going to do something. And and quickly I had the idea of doing something positive because I want to come up positive. We're Christians. We always like to come out with the positive. Right. So the idea I had was I'm going to pay the maximum amount I could find to pay someone that's an employee as an incentive to have an adoption, to choose adoption, yeah. choose the loving choice for the child to find a loving family. 
Because there's no shortage of loving families, by the way. There's in a system of adoption, you can it's broken. You can kill your baby, but you can't yeah. uh, you can't allow a loving family to adopt it. So, so I, I had this idea. I'm going to do this. So I, I drafted it. I thought about it, and then we said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and then I go to, and then ironically, I show up at work that day, or, or interestingly, I show up at work that day, and my some of the folks from my investment team wanted to meet with me. So I said, okay, well, you know, what is this? It seems like you know, someone die or something. We'd have a serious meeting. Okay. So what's going on? So they meet with me and what do they want to talk to me about? Yeah. They wanted to talk to me about the fact that I take controversial positions yeah. and that it hurts the investment side of the company yeah. because investors don't want to be with someone who's pro-life or whatever yeah. it might be. And actually these folks are aligned with me and they're good meeting folks. And I said, okay, uh, so what are you, what are you intimating here? Yeah. Like what, yeah. what's your point? And they said, well, we'd appreciate it if you don't take these stances anymore. And I said, okay, well, you know, interestingly, I was about to take a stance today, this very day, about the abortion issue, about basically the choosing, choosing life rather than death. And they said, no, absolutely don't do that, you know. Wow. And I, I said, okay, well, here you got. I heard them out fully because I always like to listen because I could be wrong. Sure. Heard them out fully. And I said to them, okay, I've heard all your arguments unless you have any additional ones. And my position still stands. And here's the reason I give my reasoning. And I told him, you know, what would you do if it was the 1930s and they're rounding up the Jews? You know, would we decide right now that I'm a CEO and I've got a voice, people listen to me. Am I going to stand back and not say anything, keep my mouth silent? Or am I going to say something? What do you want me to do? Yeah. And then they were just completely quiet. And I said, well, yeah. how about the 1850s? And the, the slavery issue is, is crazy. What are we going to do? Are we going to say something? Like, these are our black brothers as well. Like, are we yeah. going to say something or not? And then they're quiet. And I said, well, well, here we are today. No, no one in this room, everyone knows scientifically, by logic, by reasoning, any path you go, you know, it's very obvious that as a human being. So I can't just stay silent, if, and especially if 250 CEOs are coming out. Right. So what is the problem? How come these guys can say something? I can't say something? Yeah. So investors have a problem if I say something, but they don't have a visa, visa yeah. system. So I said the problem is they don't want true freedom of speech. They just don't want to hear from a Christian. Yeah. They just want you to shut up and get out of the way so that they can go and say their piece. So that, that's what that's what got me going, and that's why I put out the article. And I, I put it out, and Newsweek picked it up, so, which was pretty surprising actually let's, <laughs> uh, let's talk let's talk again soon i want to hear more yeah al absolutely thank you. Thank, thank you peter rex we'll have more just a little while